edify the body of Christ. Amen. So right now, let's give it a hand to Curtis as he comes up. Hello, everyone. My name is Curtis. Good morning. And I love Jesus. I got a short testimony. Uh, I've been, uh, God has been speaking to my heart about sharing my faith, you know, in places where I go, like work. And, and I used to have a fear of doing that because of what people might think of me or how they might feel about me or not talk to me anymore but I was praying to God uh, to give me the confidence Lord to give me the faith that you want me to have to preach your gospel so you know I, I felt I felt him speaking to me telling me do not fear share my faith only what matters is is what I think about you and I'm honoring him by preaching this gospel so um, I just want to encourage you guys by uh, sharing uh, this verse. It's Hebrews 11.1. 1. It says, Now faith is confidence is what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. So I want to encourage you guys to, to pray for your faith, to pray to Jesus, that to give you that faith, to preach his gospel wherever you go, uh, to take away that fear. Uh, and I just want to pray for everybody. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we just thank you for your presence right now, God. I pray uh, that that you give them the fear uh, to preach your gospel, Lord, uh, to just start a fire in them, like a fire over a city, Lord. I pray that uh, I, I rebuke every fear, break all those chains, Lord, so they may preach your word, God. And uh, may your will be done in us, and your will will be done in this earth as it is in heaven. In the mighty name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. Amen. Give the Lord a hand clap. You know, one of the most beautiful things I just heard him say was, it doesn't matter what they think about you, it's what I think about you, says the Lord. And that is a word for somebody right now. You know, so sometimes we worry and we wonder, like, what are they saying about me? What are they thinking about me? We have to believe what God believes about us. Come on. I said, we have to believe what God believes about us. He was willing to go on the cross for you. How much love does that take? What does he think about you if, he was, if it was worth his life to go on the cross for you? What is he thinking about you? You must be awesome to him. <laughs> you must be worth going to the cross for. So if you feel that God loves you so much that he's worth going to the that it was worth going to the cross for, I want you guys to come up here. Because we're gonna thank that God. Amen. We're gonna start to believe what he believes about us. And we're gonna praise him in return. We're gonna worship him in return. We're gonna dance in return. Because he loved us so much for God, so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. And whoever believed in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. Do you believe today, friends? Let's worship that King of kings and Lord of kings.
Come on, lose yourself. of sadness into such joy and gladness. My heart can't keep it in. I'm shouting, shouting. You've turned my tears of sadness into such joy and gladness. My heart can't keep Make a joyful Come on, in your life. Johnny, when we start singing, you've turned my tears of sadness into such joy and gladness, our bodies are going to show what that looks like. Amen? So little kids, listen to me. When we start singing, I want you guys to dance like crazy. Let me see what you got. Show me what you got. Yeah, there you go. And lift up your hands, all right? And run around. If you want to run around, you can run around. If you want to do jumping jacks, let me see your jumping jacks. Ready? One, two, three, jumping jacks. Yeah, there you go. So here we go. One, two, three, go. You've turned my tears. Dance, dance. Come on, dance. Let's go, Johnny. You got it. <laughs> You've turned my tears of sadness into such joy and 
Come on, keep jumping. Lift up a joyful noise to the Lord. Hallelujah. We love you, Jesus. You're awesome, God. You give us joy. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Give him praise. Give him praise. Give him praise. How many know it's okay to get the kids involved, amen? <laughs> they know something too. You know, one thing that is amazing about our God, I mean, it's, it's probably the, the pinnacle of his amazing qualities, is that he is holy. Amen? How many know we serve a holy God? And maybe you've been here for a while, you've been coming, or maybe this is your first time to a service like this, but I want to introduce you again to a holy God who is worth praising, who is worth singing to, who is worth loving. That holy God has made a way for you through Jesus Christ so that you can know him and you can be holy too. Hallelujah. So just lift up your hands right now as we sing this song to the Lord. Revering his holiness, revering who he is. Hallelujah. Come on, just talk to him right now. Say, you are holy, Lord. You are holy. Oh, yeah. Come on, lift up your hands and say, holy, holy. Yes. 
Lift up your hands right now. Let's speak to the Holy Spirit right now. Holy Spirit, we love you. We love you, Holy Ghost. You are awesome. You come. You love to come. You love to come here and be close to us, to lead us to truth, to lead us to righteousness, to lead us to holiness, to lead us to yourself. church start talking to the Holy Ghost use your prayer language use the words that you can utter through your spirit
Come on, lift up your hands. Lift up your hearts to the Lord. Lift up your hands right now. 
and say, welcome, Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, say, Holy Spirit, you are welcome. Come flood this place and fill the atmosphere. Your glory, God, is what our hearts long to be overcome by your presence, Lord. It's your presence. Oh, we're going to quiet down the music for a second. And we're going to make it all about him and you right now. So wherever you're at, I just want you to lift up your hands. And if this is awkward for you, I want you to step out in faith right now. Because he so wants to move in your life. He so wants to radically transform you. Sometimes it comes in a thunder and a roar. But sometimes it comes in a whisper. In a sweet, subtle wind, the wind of the Holy Spirit. So wherever you're at, just lift up your hands and say, Jesus, I need you. Jesus, fill me. You know where I'm at. Come on, say, Jesus, fill me. You know where I'm at. You know who I am. You know what I need. Come on, just talk to him for the next 10 seconds.
to MPI, uh, Metro Praise International. My name is Ellie. I'm one of the pastors on staff here. And I have the privilege to share with you the gospel as we prepare to receive communion. Uh, if you can look at the screen, there's going to be a scripture verse up there. And it's going to be Romans chapter 3, verse 25. 
Romans chapter 3, verse 25 says, God presented Christ as a sacrifice of atonement through the shedding of his blood to be received by faith. This is a powerful passage because it's showing something here. It's showing that there was a need for a sacrifice. Not only just any type of sacrifice, but for Christ to be sacrificed. The truth is that we were all born sinners. We were all created to have a relationship with God, but we have all fallen short of the glory of God. We have been distanced from God through our sin. But you see right here it's saying that God presented Christ. He presented Jesus Christ as a sacrifice of atonement, a pleasing sacrifice to God through the shedding of Christ's blood, through the sacrifice on the cross so that it can be received by faith. It's a gift of God. We can have reconciliation. We can have a relationship with God, the original relationship with God we were supposed to have. If we have faith, if we believe that Jesus Christ took it on the cross, that he was our sacrifice, he was the pleasing sacrifice to God through the shedding of his blood. If you believe that in this place, just, just confirm it in your heart right now. This is what we believe in this church. And before we even get to the communion, you have to allow this to be the, the heart cry of your life, the true belief. Because if you really believe this, then that means that you're going to repent. You're not going to keep doing the same thing you did at first or the things you used to do. You see, sins that are died for, sins that are taken away, you have the freedom from those sins now. You don't want to go back to those sins. When you repent of something, you're not saying, now I'm going to go back to it right away. If it's been nailed to the cross, then you're not going to immediately have it back in your hand. It's been nailed to the cross. It's there now. So think about your sins and what has happened. The sacrifice that was upon Christ. That Jesus Christ was that sacrifice. Your sins are upon Christ. You are set free now. You can have transformation now. But you have to believe to be received by faith. Let's pray. Lord God, I ask you, Lord, that you would just blow everyone away in this place, God. With your spirit, Lord, with your gospel, God, with the reality of what you have done 2,000 years ago, God, that it still rings true to us today, that it rings true to a sinner who used to be a sinner like me, God. I thank you for what you did in my life, God, and I pray that you would break hearts in this place. Allow people to reconcile themselves to you, God. Let them be saved. Let them see the sacrifice that Jesus did. Let them see the shedding of the blood that Jesus did, Lord. I pray right now, God. I pray right now that people would get saved. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm going to ask that everybody stands up. If you received... Christ right now. We're going to have altar workers right here. We're going to have two people, Pastor Berto and Pastor Griselda, and they're going to be here to pray with you during the fellowship video. But right now, we're going to prepare to take communion. So we can get those elements ready right here in our hands. Hallelujah, God. And let's just pray now as we take these, these elements together. Father, 
we just thank you, God, so much for, for this sacrifice. In 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 11, uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 23, it says, For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. God, we remember what you did, God, the body that you gave. We thank you for that body that was on the cross. Jesus, we thank you for that body that was on the cross. Right now, just remember what he did for you, how, what he did on that cross, the body that was upon the cross, how it took up all the sins. And let's take right now the wafer. God, we remember everything that you've done for us, where you've taken us from point A to right now, God. Likewise, in the same way, after supper, he took the cup saying, this is the cup of the, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. God, we thank you for, for this cup, God the blood that was poured out, that washes me clean, that washes me as white as snow, God. We thank you for it, God. Right now, just take uh, just the grape juice right now. Oh, hallelujah, God. We do this in remembrance, God. We know that this is not literally right now your flesh and blood. We're just doing it to remember what you did for us. Oh Lord, let us always never let us never get get too busy where we can remember how we've got where we are today, how we've been transformed, God. Let us always remember the cross. The band right now is just going to play a song that we can all worship to. What a priceless gift, undeserved life. Have I been given through Christ crucified? Sing that again. What a priceless gift! What a priceless gift! Undeserved. Lost for words, so lost 
Majestic Lord, you are the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, who is like you in the earth, who is like you in the heavens, that you would bestow upon us this gift of salvation, that you would give us a hero, a savior of Jesus Christ. Oh, hallelujah, God, we thank you, God. Oh, hallelujah, we thank you, Jesus. Oh, Lord, Jesus, Jesus. Oh, Lord, thank you, God. Thank you, Lord. Oh, thank you, God. Just thank you, God. Just thank you, Lord. Have a heart of gratitude right now for salvation. Where would you be if you were not saved right now? Where would you be if Jesus didn't wash you clean? Oh, Lord, we thank you, God. We thank you, God. Jesus, we thank you for this time, God. Continue to have your way in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Come on, give the Lord a hand clap of praise. Woo! Man. You got to give thanks to God. You got to give thanks to God when it's due because all glory and honor and praise is due to him. We're going to recite our confession of faith. We do this every week. This is our worldview what Jesus transformed us to, to become his followers of his way. We believe all this. So just recite it with me in a count of three. One, two, three. I believe in one God who is the creator, who is uh, Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. The Father who so loved the world, the Son who purchased my salvation in his death, burial, and resurrection, and the Holy Spirit who makes me new and abides in me forever. I believe in the perfect, holy Bible that reveals God's purposes and plans for my life. I believe in the second coming of Jesus who would judge the living and the dead. I believe in the eternal reward of believers in Jesus and the eternal punishment for all unbelievers in Jesus. I believe in the united church of Jesus Christ, built upon apostles and prophets, elders and deacons, in which the gates of hell shall not prevail. I believe in the salvation for all mankind. It is by faith alone, in Christ alone, by God's grace alone, and for the glory of God alone. Amen. Hallelujah. All right, you guys are free to fellowship. Say hi to somebody you haven't seen.
Good morning. Who's excited to be at church this morning? Come on. We are excited to see all your lovely faces on behalf of the leaders. Thank you for choosing MPI to be the place where you worship God today. We welcome you to Metro Praise International. For those that don't know who I am, my name is Nancy. I'm one of the apostolic elders here, and we welcome you. Our services are every Sunday at 10 a.m. and 1 p.m. And we also have Elevate for our teenagers. That's every Friday. They will switch the screen so you can see our services very soon. Every Friday at 7 p.m. It's for ages 11 to 18 years old. So if you are in that age group and you have not come or you know somebody in that age group, you have got to be here on Fridays. We have an exciting announcement for you coming up for this summer. Devil's Lake Retreat. Make some noise if you're excited. Now, don't let the name scare you, okay? We have we know that it's Jesus' lake, but some person decided to dedicate it to that person. Um, so it is called Devil's Lake Retreat. It's in Baraboo, Wisconsin. We are so pumped. It's been a few years since we haven't gone. So for those who have been with us for a while, you know the fun that it is. Spread the word. If it's going to be your first time, you are going to absolutely love it. So please mark the dates in your calendar now. Get it off of work. It's Friday, July 31st and Saturday, August 1st. And so it's going to be our summer retreat for us to go as a big happy family uh, together as a church. And it's just going to be so much fun. There's swimming, canoeing, rock climbing, boulder climbing, volleyball, softball, anything that you could play in an open field. And it's just going to be a lot, a lot of fun. Our vision here at MPI is very simple. It's loving God, loving people. And our discipleship strategy is threefold. It's connect, mentor, and send. Say it with me. Connect, mentor, and send. And the way that we want to connect you to the church, connect you to Jesus, is through our life groups. In the back of your handouts, we have a list of every life group that we have available for you based on age, uh, place that you are in your life. Find a place that uh, meets your needs perfectly. There is a place where you can belong and find something to do throughout the week. Here's a snapshot of what's happening starting today. Sunday today at um, 4 p.m. we have the single men and the single women meeting. 18 to 35 years old. If you're single, please join them. They're having a lot, a lot of fun. Tuesday, the Resistance Elevate Life Group is getting together. 11 to 18 years old, meet at the church at 6. And Wednesday, the Righteously Redeemed Elevate Life Group is meeting as well. Meeting at the church at 6 p.m., 11 to 18 years old. Every Wednesday, we have King's Kids Life Group for infant to um, 11 years old as well. Uh, infant to 11. Drop them off on Wednesday, 6.30. Pick them up at 8. It's a time for your children to learn about Jesus and get discipled. We have Impact Girls Club and Royal Rangers Boys Club. And so they have a lot, a lot of fun. And then every Friday, we have two adult Bible studies available for you. One at the Govea's house. They were up here as our prayer workers. And then one at the Walker's house. And that's for ages 18 years and up, 7 p.m. And child care is included there. So if you are an adult, you want to be at those adult Bible studies on Fridays. Because that's, that's where you're going to get life. That's where you're going to get connected, build relationships in the church. And Saturday, our evangelism peeps go out. All ages are welcome. Meet here at the church at 5 p.m. And if you've never shared your faith on the streets, we challenge you to do so. We have so many different times and dates that we go out street witnessing. This is the, the grand one for the week. But before services, before life groups, it's happening all throughout the time. So we want to challenge you and encourage you as a church to go out there, be bold for Christ, because you will learn and get better at it. So if you're nervous, if you have a fear of it, 
you can overcome. Amen? How many of you guys love telling people about Jesus on the streets? How many radicals do I have in this place? Come on. We're all called to be radicals. So join that life group, and it will change your life. Then we want to mentor you. We want to uh, mentor you. Our leaders are ready to take you through our 101 book, Welcome to Your New Life, so we can walk through your journey with Christ. And then when you graduate 101, you'll get into the 201 class, Disciples That Make Disciples. This is where we train up our leaders. And then we want to send you out to keep sharing your faith and winning people for the Lord. And our goal here at MPI is to have 100,000 disciples with 50 churches in Chicago and 500 around the world. If you believe we could do that by God's grace, say amen. Who's excited about learning about offerings in this section of the book here this morning? Come on. We are on lesson four. Offerings are like seeds planted for a harvest. You could look up on the screen and follow along, and you could turn in your Bibles to 2 Corinthians 9, verse 6. 2 Corinthians 9, verse 6 is the verse that we will be reading. Off, the offering is a gift to God after our tithes. So we all know that a tithe belongs to the Lord. It's a 10% of our total income. And what we're learning about is offering. What we give to God above that. And the title, again, is Offerings Are Like Seeds Planted for a Harvest. Let's read 2 Corinthians 9, 6. Remember this. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And whoever sows generously will also reap generously. How many of you guys love to sow generously and reap generously? Come on. Here are the main points from that verse for you guys to walk away with. Number one, sow seed. The biblical word sow means plant. Therefore, Paul in the above passage is comparing one's offerings to seeds that are planted to grow and be harvested. For example, when a farmer plants or sows corn seeds into the ground, he does so because he wants to reap a harvest of corn. That makes sense, right? Let's keep reading. Number two, sow sparingly. If a farmer only planted a few seeds in the ground, he would only expect to reap a small harvest. In the same way, Paul teaches us that if we give sparingly to God in our offerings, we will only reap sparingly in his provision. So how many of you guys can imagine farmers in our world today just kind of throwing a couple seeds here for corn and a couple seeds here for some, for some different kinds of fruit? And we expect to feed America based on that. No, we're not going to really get much back. And so when you think of offering, like, here's a couple pennies there and here's a buck here. Well, that's how we're going to receive back from the Lord. That's that same principle. Let's read number three. Let's learn how to sow generously. If a farmer plants many seeds, he will reap a large harvest. How many of you guys want to receive a large harvest from the Lord? As a result, when we give generously to God, we can expect to reap God's generous blessings. Remember, the Holy Spirit, according to each person's ability and resources, determines generosity in God's kingdom. So it doesn't matter if you, if you throw a thousand bucks in there. If we're not obedient to God, then we're not, that's not generous to the Lord. So we're not like getting brownie points depending on the amount that we give. For some people, a dime is generous. For some people, a buck is generous. For other people, putting big wads of money, God says the Holy Spirit is going to judge our hearts. Let's be generous sowers. Let's be generous givers before the Lord and do it with a cheerful heart. Here's a summary. Your seed planted in offerings will determine your harvest reaped in God's blessings. Here's the application. Number one, be a faithful tither. Let's never forget that. Number two, give generous offerings to God. And number three, 
prayerfully expect God to bless you generously. It is okay to expect good things from God. We don't have to be afraid that when we're sowing generously, we don't have to be afraid. The Bible says expect to receive a generous harvest and a blessing from the Lord. Amen. Let's recite this confession over our life this morning on the count of three. One, two, three. The offering is a gift to God after the tithe and is given in a variety of ways. God said it should be a generous seed given with a cheerful heart from personal sacrifice. Offerings will always bring thanksgiving to God because they go towards charity and ministry supplies. We give offerings in obedience to God's word, sharing with others our blessings with a gracious heart by imitating Jesus and revealing where our treasure really is. Please stand up to your feet with me this morning as we prepare to give the Lord our tithes and offerings our best because he's given us his best. Again, MPI, we believe uh, that a tithe is 10% of your total income and an offering is any amount above that that is amount given to you by the Lord, something that you guys have personally prayed for. And here at MPI, we established two different places for our offerings to go to. One is towards our missions offering, where we are able to give towards various missions projects throughout the year. And right now, our building offering is what we're currently in. And give yourselves a hand clap, because in April, we have raised $2,098 for a total of $6,745. Come on, give, you up, give it up again for yourselves, for Jesus. He has provided through you guys. So since January, that's how much we've raised. The goal is 8,000. We are so close. Let's knock it out, Metro Praise International, this month. And by God's grace and provision, we are believing that we can have that by June. That's the goal. So we believe that if you guys stay faithful to the amount that God has told you to give, we will collectively together accomplish all that he has for us to do in this city. Amen. Uh, we also have um, two other options for you online and in the back for your convenience to give. If you have any questions about that, please see myself or Pastor Griselda after the service. And uh, let's recite this scripture verse together. Luke 6:38. Jesus said, give and it will be given to you. For with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Let's pray. God, we thank you so much for your faithfulness and your generosity in our lives. And right now, we as your people, we present to you our gift, our uh, offering of thanksgiving. We say thank you, God, for your many blessings in our life. We give you our tithe. We give you our, our offering so that the church, your kingdom, can be established here and your church can reach Chicago and the nations for Jesus. Let your kingdom come on this earth as it is in heaven. In the mighty name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. Please come forward as you give this morning, and thank you so much for your generosity. Amen. If you love this warm weather, give Jesus a high five and say, I love you, Lord. 
<laughs> Come on, give Jesus a high five. Come on, we love you, Jesus. That's what we're doing. We're putting our hands up, giving Jesus a high five. Amen. Uh, teasing a little bit. Hey, I want to pray about something serious right now. I need these monitors fixed for me so I can hear myself. It's hard for me to do that right now. How many were just brokenhearted when they saw what happened in Baltimore? How many just had a broken heart? How many think the church should pray about that? Amen. We should pray. But before we do, I want you to look around right now to this church because this is the answer to what happened in Baltimore. Come on, look around. Look around. Do you see everybody of one race in here? Does everybody look like they're one race? How many races or different ethnic groups can you count? Can you see in this place right now? A whole lot. Not just one, not just two. We have people from India. We have people from Europe. People from African American, uh, African nations, African American, and African. Not here today. Maybe in the second service he'll come from Nigeria. Whole bunch of Latino nations, white, Anglo, right? We need to believe God that what's happening here in this church can happen in Baltimore and around the country. Because the church is the answer to the problems of racism. He said every nation, tribe, and tongue is in heaven. That's what's going to be in heaven. So if you've got a problem with a certain race, you're not going to like heaven very much because there's going to be that race there. And then you know what? I don't even like using the word race to talk about different cultures because really in the biblical sense, we're all one race, aren't we? The human race. Is there another kind of species that's a human that I don't know of? No, we are all human beings. We are all of the human race. So I just want to pray right now that we would see God do something great in Baltimore and that we would see God do something great in our land here in Chicago to end racism, oppression, however it comes, wherever it comes, and that it would start with us. Amen? So let's just pray right now. Vinny, would you come back to the keys? Lord, we're going to repent here in this church for any kind of racism, uh, socialism, or classism that we've had in our heart. Uh, Lord, where we've treated each other differently based on the country we've come from, the language we've spoke. And, Lord, we're going to ask that you would forgive us right now with every head bowed and eyes closed. If you have ever hated a race, if you've ever been against a race because you didn't like them, their language, their color, their skin, their smell, uh, whatever it was. Because, you know, sometimes when we look at different cultures, we come up with these different uh, stereotypes. And if you've done that, I want you to repent right now. Jesus, we repent of racism, culturism, um, ethnocentricism, thinking our ethnic group is better than somebody else's. Come on, everybody get it out because you can't be a part of the solution until you're not part of the problem. Hurt people hurt people. So if you're still hurt because of what someone's done to you from another race, you won't be able to heal another race. You won't be able to bring reconciliation. There's so much hurt in our culture right now because of what's going on with the police, with, with stereotypes, and it's on both sides. I have friends that are police officers. They have a side. I've worked in the inner city for seven and a half years in New Orleans, nine different housing projects. They have a side. I had African-American professors and Latino professors. I'm telling you, everybody has a side, and we could all be offended if we wanted to, but we need to work together. We need to have unity. We need to have justice. Murder is wrong. Beating people up in the police department is wrong. Committing crimes is wrong. I mean, it's all wrong. We need to pray for reconciliation. And if it's us, we need to repent. And now pray this with me in your own words. Lord, be with Baltimore. Be with all the major cities and places of our country 
that are suffering from racism right now. Come on, just pray for America. I know it exists around the world, but I want to pray for America right now. I pray for those who are being oppressed as migrant workers from Latin America. I pray for the oppression to end of African Americans. I pray for the, uh, the stereotyping, the end of, of police officers. I pray for justice to come in the courts. I pray for abortion to end and, and, and the black genocide, as black pastors have taught me, the number one place where African Americans are dying right now is in abortion clinics, the crime, God, wherever it is, corruption, all of it. We ask you to heal our land and do something great in us and through us as you can do, as only you promised you would do. You are our hope. In Jesus' name, can I hear an amen? How many of you are glad you came to church to pray for your country? Amen? I mean, that's the answer. Thank you. Let's give it up for Vinny for coming. Amen. Thank you, Vinny. Yeah, I just, I mean, I just can't tell you that enough how much you're the answer to what's going on here today. You know, this is what the country needs. We need to get together and work together. Pastors, leaders, businessmen, politicians, every different race and culture, and solve our problems. Can I get one more amen? Amen. Open up your Bibles with me to the book of Isaiah, an Old Testament book today, starting a new series, Fear Not. Everybody say, Fear Not. Thank you. Isaiah chapter 41, verse 10, and it is going to change your life today. I hope you're ready to be changed. Does anybody want their life to change today? Okay, because if you wanted to leave out here the same way you came in here, you went to the wrong church. I want you to leave differently than the way that you came in. Now, here's something that I want you to think about as we get ready to talk about fear not. I got it, guys. Thank you. I want you to think about all the things that you've been afraid of in life. I just want you to put it on the table right now. Now, here's the problem with fears is we're afraid of talking about our fears. We get afraid about talking about our fears, so I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand if you've ever been afraid, because you'd probably be afraid to raise your hand, right? He's not, but most of us might be. We get afraid. Here's the thing about fears. They're very frightening. They make us feel afraid, and then they become our mindset in reality. But I want you to think about them right now, your biggest fears. I'll list off some, and you tell me if they relate to you. The fear of the past, maybe things you've done in the past, and you have guilt and you have condemnation, and something on the inside of you just always reminds you of it, just always reminds you of what you did. And then you begin to think to yourself, if somebody found out about this, they wouldn't like me. If my friends found out what I did back then, they wouldn't like me. If my job found out about this, if people in the church found out about this, they wouldn't want to be my friends. Sometimes we think that way when it comes to God. God, I remember my past. I think about it. Maybe you still think about it. Maybe God doesn't love me. Maybe I've committed too many sins. See, that's the fear of the past. How about this one? Fear of the future. God, I don't know if I can pay my bills. I don't know if I'm going to have a job. My, economy, uh, my, my industry and this economy is always shifting and turning. I don't know if I can pay my bills. You know, right now, the millennial generation is the largest generation. That's 35 to, to like 21, I think. And, and in that generation is the largest group of Americans we've ever had, bigger than the baby boomers. And it's over, they're oversaturated with college degrees, and they're trying to get into a job market that's smaller than it once was. And there's so many anxious hearts today in college uh, dormitories as they're getting ready to graduate right now. Some of them are having their graduation ceremonies, and they already have anxious hearts. How am I going to pay my, my school loans? Where am I going to work? 
And then there's people that have gone through the recession and they're still afraid it might might still, bottom might drop out. Maybe they just finally got situated and now their boss is saying, hey, we might have to tighten things down. Fear of the future. How about this, fear of dying? You ever just get afraid of dying? Like you just don't want to talk about it. You don't want to think about it. You get this feeling in your mind like, man, what is it going to be like when I die? I'm afraid. I don't want to leave my family. Who's going to take care of my kids? Who's going to be here for others that I've helped out? Fear of dying. How about this? Fear of letting people down. Man-pleasing. Do you ever have the fear of pleasing people to the point where it just grips you? Well, you know, if this person doesn't like me, I'm not going to be okay with that. If my mom doesn't approve of me going to church, happens a lot with church things. If my mom doesn't like me going to church, I don't don't know if I could keep coming. She doesn't like me being here. I wasn't raised this way. Or fear of letting your boss down. I always think he's going to fire me. You know, I read about 10 books on fear. I didn't read them all, but I read about 10 portions of books. From secular to Christian psychologists, and I'm telling you, one of the biggest things right now is people fearing that they're going to let people down. Their boss. Your boss says, hey, we got to talk Monday. What's the first thing going into your mind? If you, had a, if you, if you got a text from your boss, an email Friday, we got to talk Monday. Many people start thinking, what are we talking about? What are we talking about? What are we talking? Is it that last assignment that I did? What's, what are we going to talk about? They'll worry the whole weekend. What's going on? Fear of dying. Fear of letting people down, fear of the past, fear of the future. What about just phobias? Now, this is where it gets kind of silly because, uh, you know, some of you guys got some crazy phobias, and I promise not to point you out, but sometimes you confess them to me, and I'll just get them out here so everybody doesn't feel weird at once, okay? Because I've heard a lot of different phobias. Some people are afraid of birds. (laughs) Can you believe it? Afraid of birds. There's a bird. Oh, no. I don't know if you have this one, but there's other people that have said, I'm afraid of clouds. I'm afraid of them. I see them and I freeze up. Now, those are kind of silly, right? But then there's fear of heights, fear of flying, fear of being in an elevator or close places, fear of being alone. Don't want to ever be alone. There's some people that can never be alone. Every time they're alone, they got a text. Every time they're alone, they got a call. Every time they're alone, they're afraid of being alone. Phobias, things that get inside of you and begin to change the way you live. Now, if I touched on anything that you've dealt with before, this message is for you. And if I didn't touch on it, I hope I get to touch on it later because all of us deal with fear in one way or another. And the problem is in church and in this setting, we just want quick answers. We just want to come to church, tell Jesus I'm afraid of this, and then just go home and not be afraid anymore. Well, the problem with that is, is that we don't know how to practice our peace of mind. And then what goes on is we're still afraid, and we got Jesus, and I got Jesus, and I'm still afraid, so maybe Jesus doesn't take away my fears. So then Christians turn to yoga and breathing techniques, and they turn to alcohol or drug addiction or relationships to take away the feeling that they're alone or whatever they're dealing with. They put negative habits in their lives. And I can't tell you how much I've seen this dealt with in the church. As a matter of fact, let me say it like this. Sexual sin is the biggest sin I deal with in the church, but fear is the biggest thing that I deal with consistently from the top down in every member of this church. Fear. 
Let me give you an example. Sexual sin is what we have people struggle with the most because it's really something that is hard for them to give up, either living together with somebody they're not married to or pornography or lusting after the opposite sex. Maybe someone has same-sex attractions. That is the most uh, prevalent thing that will cause people to be separated from God, right, separated from God. But fear is the thing from elders to the first-time visitor that people deal with. I'll hear it confessed from my elders. I'll confess it myself to my elder. We'll confess it here at the altar, first-time visitors. Fear is the number one consistent thing that's not a sin issue, though, that I see the entire church deal with. And it may not happen all the time. It may not be that people are always walking around afraid, but it's like fear seems to be the thing people have to battle with the most. And then I began to research. I began to look at the Bible. And I began to look at what it was like for Jesus and his disciples. And I began to realize the thing that he tells them all the time is don't be afraid. So it must have been something they dealt with. And then I did some research and I found out that in the entire Bible, there are over 360 commands and, pl and, and promises to fear not because God is with us. As a matter of fact, one of the resources I'm going to be giving you today is a website that 365 puts out a different verse every day, not to be afraid. Not to be afraid if you're always going to catch a sickness. Some of you saw the Ebola thing, and you looked at the symptoms, and you go, oh, man, I got Ebola. I got Ebola. Sweaty palms, dilated eyes, little tummy, a little upset tummy. See, that's a fear. All of these phobias. All of these fears, all of these anxieties, all of these worries. I didn't even get to talk about worry yet, but I'm going to get to it. Worrying. I can't get to sleep until my kids get home. Now, it sounds noble, but you're worrying. It's because you're not at peace. Oh, I'm not going to be okay until I get this assignment done. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stay up and I'm going to get on coffee and I'm going to do all this. And, I, and, and I'll calm down after this. No, you're afraid. We're going to talk about being motivated. We're going to talk about avoiding danger because that's part of what God made our bodies to do. But I'm talking about a negative force of fear that has gripped so many people's lives, and it's being dealt with by everybody. Are you guys ready for this series? Because today I want to teach you from the Bible, as I encourage myself, to fear not. All of us, fear not. Do not be afraid. Are you with me in Isaiah? Chapter 41, verse 10, if you're there, say I'm there. Don't you like it when your pastor names series after things in the Bible? Read the first ver uh, part of this verse with me. One, two, three. Read it like you're up this morning. One, two, three. Fear not, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. Yes, I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Praise God. Praise God. He knows our weakness. He knows to hold us when we feel afraid. And he says, don't be afraid. Don't be dismayed. I'm with you and I'm holding you up. I'm holding you up. I'm going to talk to you today about fear. And I want to give you some definitions. Let's just go with fear. Fear is a distressing emotion aroused by impending danger, evil, pain, etc., whether the threat is real or not. 
Now let's just stop right here. Fear is a good thing when it keeps you from actual danger. How many know if you saw a tiger come into this room, it would be okay to be afraid? Right? It would be okay to be afraid. That's natural. How many know if you're driving next to a mountainside, you want to slow down a little bit because you might go off the edge, right? It's okay. How many know if you are in a bad neighborhood or just walking down the streets of Chicago and you see a bunch of guys come towards you and they got bats and chains and stuff like that? How many know it's okay to be afraid? And I saw that one time in New Orleans. I really felt like I was in the West Side Story. I got, be I got in between two gangs that were fighting. And I saw one with the chain who was dragging along the ground. The other one had a bat. And I said, I'm getting out of here, Jesus. And then Jesus said, no, I want you to stop it. And that's another story, and I don't have time to get into that. But I tried to stop a gang fight. I knew these young people. It was a long story because I've been working with them in, in any ways. But I tried to stop it, and Jesus gave me the courage to do so. But how many know it's okay to have a fear mechanism to stay away from danger? That's okay. That's not what we're talking about, though. What the Bible is talking about is this fear that is related to being dismayed. Everybody say dismayed. And that means to have courage taken away from you and to be anxious. So it's a mental, emotional thing that you're dealing with when impending danger is not in front of you. Now, if I had time to talk about facing the fear of danger, I could talk about how David was encouraged to fight unto death and how our soldiers have done that. And, and I, I really could talk about facing dangers. But I need you to see this not as a danger thing today because I want to talk about the emotional fears that we have. And God is saying, do not be discouraged. You're not in a war right now. Okay, There isn't a tiger in the room. And some of you are dealing with fear. And God is saying, stop doing that. He's actually telling you, you can trust him. Now, I want to say this before I get into the sermon as we're getting our definitions. Everybody say fear of the Lord. This is something that is a good fear, and I will be referencing it throughout our series this month. It's for the whole month of May. We're doing this series on fear or not today. is really just the introduction to big, the big picture of this. So come every week with the specifics and look online for the different specific fears and things we'll be dealing with. One of them will definitely be the fear of man and helping people overcome that fear. But I want you to understand the fear of the Lord. The fear of the Lord is an awareness of the greatness of our God. Somebody say, he's great. Okay, and that one day he's going to judge the human race in righteousness with finality. So that means one day God is going to look at all of us and make a judgment, and it's final. There's no, um, there's no coming back and doing it over again. You cannot change his judgment. It is final. That is the kind of fear that we need to have in our life, and it's really synonymous with honor. Unless you are a sinner, then it should be real fear. Because you should really understand that if you're not born again, you will be judged and sentenced to hell. That is a real fear. You are going to be judged. Now, let me help you understand the fear of the Lord from both perspectives real quick here. Now, imagine if my father was a general in the military and we were at war with Afghanistan. If I'm in my father's house, I have nothing to fear about my father being a general in, in an army, do I? He's my father. He's not going to come with M16s and point them at my mom and us. He's my father. He's going to protect us. Everybody say, a good father protects. Okay? But when he goes to war, he's a terror to those he's opposing. 
He is sending down hellfire missiles. He is raining down drones and hell upon this earth in the form of battle warfare. Are you with me? Then you should be afraid of my dad, right? But now watch. If you come to my house and you treat my dad with respect, my dad treats you with respect. Now you're taken care of. And let's say my dad had a big house and said y'all could come. And he even said to the people in Afghanistan, you can come, but you got to stop being at war. How many know a good dad would do that? Say to the kids in the neighborhood, you guys stop fighting and doing gang, uh, drugs and all this. Come on over. I'll cook you up something, barbecue up. I had so much fun yesterday having a big barbecue. Anybody been barbecuing lately? I just got a new grill. Man, it's been so much fun. I met a guy at all these, invited him over. I didn't even know the guy. Just met him at all these. He came over yesterday. God is so good. Amen. And let me just say this because I want to say it about the Baltimore thing. He was African-American. I was white. It didn't even matter. He felt comfortable to come over to a crazy white guy's house, and I was just cool enough to invite him over, right? Because racism shouldn't exist in our hearts, right? We can appreciate cultures, but we should treat each other all the same. We just started talking about food. He saw my, my cart was stuffed to the top, and, and, and he was like, man, you got a lot of good stuff. I'm like, you should see when I cook it because I was going to fry up some catfish and, and put some of my breading and Tony's on. I was just doing it right. Come on, just do, doing it right. And, and then I was like, man, you need to come, okay? So he came and had some fun. But here's the thing. God is a good God. He said, everybody can come to my house, and when you're here, you're safe. And the Bible then says, turn with me quickly, 1 John 4, 4. 18, turn with me there in your Bibles. When you're in God's house, there's no fear of punishment because he loves you. And his love pushes out that punishment. So you have no reason to be guilty and condemned when you're in God's house. But if you leave God's house, you should know that he'll punish you. So I want to show you the fear of the Lord, and then we'll move on from here, okay? 1 John 4, 14, when you're there, say, I'm there. If you're not, say, hold up. Oh, I guess you guys are fast. Okay. Here we go. I'm waiting for our guys in the back. They're training some new people as we've been going to two services, so we'll be patient with them. But 1 John 4, 18, this is what it says. There is no fear in love. Perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. How many here want to be made perfect in love? Okay, come into the Father's house. Repent of your sins. You know what sins are, things you've done that God has told you not to do. Well, then you'll be in his house. He's a big general. He's got a lot of angels on his side. He can destroy you at any moment, but you're in his house. He's going to protect you. He's going to take care of you. Even if you sin, he won't condemn you. He'll convict you so that you can repent. You're safe in God's house. Can I get an amen? amen. Okay, but now go to Revelation 15.4. we got to go to the end of the book as well. Amen? Because there's some people that are not in God's house. They are not serving God the way they ought to. You've heard the gospel preached from Pastor Ellie. I thought he did a great job. The youth group is awesome, by the way. If you have any young people having come out on Fridays, it's blowing up right now. It's blowing up because God is showing up. Amen? That's what happens. Now, look at this in Revelation 15.4. It says, who will not fear you, Lord, and bring glory to your name? All nations will come and worship before you, for your act, righteous acts have been revealed. Now go to Revelation 20, verse 8. Who shall not fear you? Everybody at one point or another is going to bow down to Jesus and give him glory. And they're going to say, you're awesome, God. You are worthy of all of this. You, you deserve the glory. You're powerful, everybody. And then Revelation 20, verse 8, quickly here. 
We want to see what will happen then if you have not accepted Christ into your life. Go to verse 8. It says, then the thousand years are over. Satan will be released from prison, and he will go out and deceive the nations from the four corners of the earth. This is the, the wrong one here. Let's keep going. I got it. Thank you, sir. Okay, here we go. It is Revelation 20, verse 14, rather. Then death and Hades were thrown into where? The lake of fire. The lake of fire is the what death? So you're not just dying once. If you don't know God, you will die again for eternity. It's a spiritual death for eternity. Verse 15, anyone whose name was not found written in the book of life was thrown where? Now, if you're not right with God, that should make you afraid. Does everybody understand the fear of the Lord now? When I'm in my father's house, I'm not going to hell. I've accepted him. I don't fear his punishment. He loves me. I can be forgiven of my sins. He'll help me. He's for me. He's not against me. No weapon formed against me by the devil will ever, the devil will ever prosper. I'm on God's side. Amen. That is my fear and respect towards him as his son or daughter. However, if I don't know Jesus, if I'm not living for Jesus, if I have turned my back on him, I need to be afraid of this and repent. Can I hear an amen? Okay, now let's just go on. I won't be mentioning that a whole lot of um, more times, but I want you to have that as a reference because you're going to hear some things about the fear of the Lord here in a minute. But let's go on. The next thing we want to learn the difference of is the feeling of fear versus acting in fear. So think about this. It is natural in many circumstances to feel fear. So let's take the example of going skydiving. How many think if right now I said, hey, we're all going skydiving. They paid for us to go. It's a surprise. We're going to videotape everybody. Let's head out there right now. How many of you would start to have a feeling of fear? Would you, would you be honest? Many of you, right? Some of you are like, I'm not even going. Well, that's a problem. That's a problem. I'm saying y'all are going, right? Now watch this. Let's watch this. Let's say we get to that place. We got the plane. The plane works. We got the skydivers who we go tandem with because we can't go by ourselves. They know what they're doing. The parachute and the equipment works. Now you would have a choice. Do you believe the facts presented before you about being safe or are you going to let a fear, irrational thought, take away your confidence? See, this is what I'm talking about. Let's just stay right here for a minute because I got a reaction out of some of you guys, and I want to stay right here. See, in your mind, you're justified. If you're afraid of flying or afraid of jumping out of a plane, in your mind, you're justified. You're, you're saying, I mean, it's not natural to be out of a plane. You know, no one should jump. We're, we don't have wings. We, we're not supposed to be birds. But what I'm trying to tell you is, is that you may feel the fear, but you can still jump out of a plane and be absolutely safe. Because you need to learn to not let your fear control your life. So even if you face a natural fear, like a person going to war, you don't think, don't you think that those guys coming off those boats storming the beaches of Normandy felt afraid? But they didn't let their fear stop them from doing what they needed to do. Everybody feels fear. It's just not everybody acts on that fear. So let's go back to that scenario. Let's just think about it. You're there. We put the parachute on you. You're up in the plane. What are you going to do? Are you going to let fear keep you from doing that experience? Or are you going to trust the people around you and face your fears? See, Bible says you can face your fears. The Bible says you can be at perfect peace and learn to resist that fear. Some of you have fears of snakes. 
Let's say I had my friend. I wish he lived here, but he's in North Carolina, and he brings snakes and things to children's churches, and he shows them all these animals about God's creation. Let's say right here I had an anaconda, and he brought up this big old snake, and he said, come on up here, ladies, hold the snake. Now, some of you in your mind be like, no, the snake's going to kill me. I'm going to die. It's going to eat me. It's going to squeeze me to death. But what if he tells you this, this snake's not going to kill you? This snake's not going to hurt you. You'll be fine. So you have a choice on whether or not to face your fears. What God is trying to teach us is that though we may feel afraid, we can trust him because he's with us and we can face those fears because he's telling us things that we can trust. God knows your future, doesn't he? See, just like that parachute guy, he would say, listen, it's okay. I got you. You would trust him. God is saying, listen, I know your future. I got you. I got you. See, God is trying to teach us through faith to trust him and stop letting feelings be what we think is the truth. See, just take that example once again about being in that plane. Your feelings are not true. Your feelings would be telling you, I'm going to die, right? And then when we, let's say we strapped you on there and we made you do it, right? And then we push you out the plane. And what are you going to do? You're going to scream like you're going to die. There will be some people that will do it out of fun. They'll be like, woo, here I am skydiving. Others are, yeah. You'd be screaming the whole time because you think you're going to die. But watch. The parachute comes open. You land. You're alive. What does that prove? The feeling you had in the plane was a lie. Your feeling of fear was a lie. Now, there's real things to be afraid of, like like I said, going to war. But we still face them because I can die in war, right? But I'm talking about in these situations I want to deal with today, there's nothing to be afraid of. You can hold the snake. Ladies, you can kill bugs in your house. You don't have to interrupt your husband's game or get him up out of bed. Ah, there's a bug in my house. You can kill the bugs, ladies. Hello. And let me just say this. As we get ready for the message, look at your neighbor and say, it's just the introduction. This is better than Oprah, I'm telling you. This is better than New Age. This is better than yoga. This will save you thousands of dollars of counseling. Some of you should give a bigger offering today because you're saving money on counseling. Amen? You'll get set free. Praise God. Dr. Jesus is here. Before there was ever Dr. Phil, there was Dr. Jesus, wasn't there? Amen. Look at this. Faith is the opposite of fear. Now, this is not only a Christian principle, it's also used in the world. Because not everybody who skydives is a Christian, are they? But what are they doing? They're putting faith in the parachute. They're putting faith in the plane. They're putting faith in things they don't see. They're putting faith on the bridge when they drive across it. They didn't see somebody build that bridge. When I lived in New Orleans, G&O Bridge, crossing the biggest river of America, every day had to go across it, G&O Bridge. Almost a mile-long river right there. I never saw them build that bridge. I never saw them put in every nut and bolt. I didn't see the steel maker make that steel, but I trusted that bridge. 
And a sinner can trust that bridge. A sinner goes, I trust that bridge. I trust they built that bridge. I trust, as I've seen other people go across that bridge, it's not an illusion. I can go across that bridge. Well, it's the same thing with faith. God is saying, you can trust me. There's been people who have crossed the bridge of life, and I was with them all the way, and they didn't have a nervous breakdown. You can trust me. There's people alive right now walking the same journey you're walking, and they're making it through victorious. You can trust that I'll do the same for you. Have faith in my bridge over troubled waters. Jesus is saying, have faith in my bridge through your life. People have testified about his bridge, have they not? Haven't people told you about the bridge of God's hope in times of trouble? Have you ever gone through a hard time in your life and someone in a church setting like this came, come up to you and said, I went through something just like that? Hello? We've had people lose their parents here. How many would be afraid to lose your mom or dad? Right? I don't want to live life without my mom or dad. I got good parents. That'd make me afraid to think about that, right? But God is saying, I could take you over that bridge. Ricky lost his mother last year. He's in our second service. He lost his mother last year. And there were people that came and comforted him. I lost my mother too. But Jesus brought me through. Jesus is going to bring you through. Well, watch me right now. I'm walking on the bridge of life without a mother, but God is bringing me through. Because the God who gave me my mother is still with me. See? When I was on drugs and I got off, I would go to Teen Challenge to drug rehabs. That's fear. Fear in their lives. You know? I can't go, I, I can't go here, I can't go here, I'm going to do drugs, I'm going to do drugs, I can't do this, I can't do this. I don't know, I'm paralyzed, I'm paralyzed with fear because I'm an addict. Now tell them, no, you're going to live again. You're going to breathe again. You're going to find joy again. God is going to change your life. I was once there. I was once on drugs. I once couldn't live without getting high. But Jesus changed me. Are you guys tracking with me? Maybe there's some of you teenagers. I want every young person, everybody under 18 years old to look at me. Everyone under 18 years old, look at me, please. Some of you, you're looking at your friends, and you're seeing them going down bad paths, and you get afraid. What if I end up like that? What if I do that? What if I? And Jesus is saying, I can walk with you through your life. Well, I don't have a dad. Well, I don't have a mom. I, didn't, I don't have money. It doesn't matter. Jesus' bridge will take you from where you are to where you need to be. Have faith in him. Don't be dismayed. Don't be discouraged. Take a hold of Jesus' hands. And there may be a few of you here today, and you're saying, well, I've never been afraid. Well, then you just haven't faced those kind of situations in life then. Because I guarantee you, one day you will. And you'll be happy you heard a message like this. Can I hear an amen? amen? Let me talk about where fear comes from, this emotional distress when there is no real danger. It comes from our sinful bodies. The Bible says that our bodies were born into sin. Some people ask me, why do children have sicknesses? Why would God allow that? God is not allowing that. God is not putting a sickness on a child. The child is being born into a body that is cursed because of Adam and Eve. And because God is gracious and he wants that child's soul to be saved and one day have a new body in heaven and upon earth, God is allowing human history to play out. But it was never his intention nor his plan for us to have sinful bodies. Now, when I say a sinful body, I don't mean like this hand wants to go and, and, and uh, you know, take a gun and shoot somebody and i got to hold back my hand. I'm talking about a body that is destined to die and has in itself propensities and desires to break God's commands. I've talked about this before when we went through the Mind of Christ series. If somebody popped a guy in the nose, how many watched the Manny and Mayweather fight? I feel sorry for you guys. I went to bed, woke up and saw he lost Manny. I hope, I hope he wins. Some, I hope somebody beats Mayweather, but I'm just teasing. But I, you guys know what I'm talking about. Most of you are probably disappointed. But guess what? 
How many know all these men in here? How many, every man in here, you come up in front of me, I slap you in the face. How many know your body's going to feel something? Hello. How many know I just pop you right in the nose, just enough to make it sting? Boom, right in the nose. How many of y'all are going to feel something? Right? That's your body. That is your reaction to a physical stimuli. The same thing is with sexual immorality. How many know if we started putting naked people up here, we would be stimulated sexually? Right? Most of us all have sexual organs, don't we? Don't they all function correctly, most of us? So if we started seeing sexual things, most of us would be stimulated, would we not? Let's just be real. Let's not try to pretend it doesn't exist in a body. It does. This body has desires. But Christ says the body is to be crucified with Christ. That we are to look at Christ dying on that cross as a symbol of our death to this body and the inner person to live the life that God asked us to live, making this body our slave. Going, body, you're getting up. I'm going to church this morning. And I can't come as Casper the ghost. I need you to bring me there, body. You're my slave. Body, I need an education. You're tired. I don't need to get jacked up on caffeine. I'm just going to stay focused. Too much addiction on caffeine, right? Too many things we try to do to our body. But God says we can have power over our body. Nothing wrong with coffee. I'm just saying you don't have to be addicted to it. You can have control over your body. You wake up in the morning say, don't talk to me until I have three cups of coffee. I should be able to talk to you the moment you got up because Jesus put breath in your lungs. And you should be praising God. Coffee's not what makes you happy and puts a smile on your face and a pep in your step. It should be Jesus Christ. You're alive. Amen. So I want you to see how it plays out. Our body has these reactions. And it's formed to our lives. So let's say like one of the women I'm going to be talking about today who I've got some stuff from her book. Let's say you watch your dad kill himself. President of our Bible college, Chancellor George No, watched his dad kill himself. How many of that's going to form something in your body, in your nervous system, in your memories, in your brain? You're not going to quite look at relationships the same, are you? She was screaming out, Daddy, don't do it. Daddy, don't do it. And then she heard the shot, boom. Messed her whole life up. That's tragedy. And there's people here that have been in tragic situations just like that. People here. Maybe you grew up watching somebody you love get slapped and beaten up. Maybe you were in a situation where you saw things you weren't supposed to see. Maybe you were abandoned by somebody in your family. Maybe you were touched, sexually abused, right? This forms things in your life. You move away from the extreme to more of the moderate things. Maybe there was just a time in your life you saw a spider and it crawled up your nose. And it bothered you and you woke up, you know, and you had a spider in your nose and you pulled the thing out. From that point forward, you were afraid of spiders. Or maybe one time you were eating McDonald's and you saw a little worm in there. Now you said all McDonald's hamburgers have worms on it. Looking at your guys' Facebook. Now McDonald's is wrong because I saw this thing. See, we have these memories. Oh, I can't do this because this happened. I can't do this because this happened. I can't swim because one time they put me in the water and I almost drowned. Right? I can't fall in love again because last time I did, somebody broke my heart. I can't go to school because I didn't go to a good elementary school and I've never been able to read right, so I can't read the textbooks. I'll never get an education. Hello. 
See, that's fear. And then what begins to happen is a pride develops now. <clears throat> and this is where it's got to get tough. I've got to get real with all of us, starting with me to you. Trust me, I'm preaching to me as I'm preaching to you. As we begin to develop this pride that says, this is who I am. And the problem is, is God is trying to say, that's not who you are. God is trying to say, that's not who you are. That's a feeling. That's something that's been done to you. Well, I've applied for 30 jobs. Nobody wants me. Might as well stop. See, that's a feeling you're getting, and it's not the truth. And if you start believing it, it's actually pride because that's not what God said. God is saying something different. God is that tandem jumper. He's saying, I got you. He's saying, I got this. Let's jump. And you got some people going through life, ah, and you got others, yeah. See, which one are you? Ah, or woo, let's do it again, Jesus. Let's do it again, Jesus. There are people who are going through life so scared because they're not hearing God anymore. All they're hearing is their feelings. No one's going to love me. No one's going to take care of me. There's no job for me. This is not going to change. It's the way it's always going to be. And then unbelief comes in because someone comes to you and goes, hey, this can change. You can go back to school. You can get an education. I have to pick my mother-in-law up each time to come babysit our kids because she's afraid to drive on the highway. And I hope she still loves me after telling her example. But she's afraid to go on the highway. And I said, you can do this. She's got a car. She's got a license. You can do this. But I'm so afraid. Unbelief now. See, God is speaking his word to us through people, through the Bible. And we keep saying, I don't believe that. And then what do we have as a result? Come on, if we don't believe, then what do we have now? And that's not what we want, is it? Actually, we don't like being here, do we? But what's got to change? This right here. We've got to say, I believe you, God. I'm going to humble myself. I want you to look at this Richter scale and tell me where you're at. It's not a perfect thing. I mean, I'm not a psychologist, but I'm giving you my best indication of this. Can I get one of our uh, uh, leaders to put this down and turn off that mic, please? Just kind of look at how it starts off. Worry, all these worrying thoughts. Then it gets to controlling. i got to control everything. Unreasonable. You're not listening to rational thoughts anymore. I mean, I just go back to that example of jumping off the plane. You're just, you're unreasonable. We're trying to tell you it's okay, it's okay, it's okay. But you're unreasonable. You're like my friend. We were going bungee jumping. They had the strap on and everything. He didn't want to do it. He was unreasonable. We couldn't reason with him. People are putting it on. Watch. Look, I jump. I'm fine. Couldn't trust. Why, let me just say this. Why do you think corporate America takes people out to those courses all the time? Maybe you've been on them. Zip lining, trust falls. Why do you think that corporate America does that? Because they want the fear out of your mind. They want you to dream big. See, my, uh, uh, fear is a dream killer. It takes away your innovation. It takes away your ability to try new things. And they understand that. Are you guys with me? Then you get to phobias. I don't know if I can ever do this. I don't know if I can ever be in a plane. I don't know if I can ever be in an elevator. I don't know if I can ever do heights. And then panic attacks. And this becomes real. When you start crossing into these lines over here, starting with five, people are going to doctors now. You know, I get, I get a panic attack. I can't breathe. I'm hyperventilating my nerves. Isolation. Now I can't go places like I used to. Start to be depressed. Now, I'm not saying every depressed person deals with these kinds of things, but a lot of depressed people are dealing with fears. Then self-hatred. Why can't I fix myself? 
Why can't I change myself? If God loved me, he wouldn't have made me this way. This self-hatred begins to come in. Then despair. It's not going to change. It's not going to change. It's the way it is. It's the way it is. Look how I act. I, I get like this every time. It works for others. It doesn't work for me. Others change, not me. And then you get right down here. And a handful of people feel this way. You know what this is? This is fear. You know what this was for Robert Will, Robin Williams? Fear. I was on one of the, the blogs listening to a, a person talk about Robin Williams, and, and it was a suicide help network. And they said, when people are committing suicide, they fear life more than they fear death. That's what a suicide victim deals with. They feel life more than they fear death. It's like being entrapped in the, the towers of 9-11 and your building's on fire. You fear jumping to your death, but you fear being burned alive more. So you jump. That's what suicide is. I fear more being alive than being dead. And God says, I have an answer for that. Amen. Let me give this to you in closing and come back next week for some more of the practicals. How many learned something today? How many know God wants you not to be afraid? Amen. Here's where it comes from. This is an Oprah Winfrey guest, Rhonda Britton. She's not a Christian, so when you get her book, Fearless Living, make sure to remember that. But I really agree with her, her strategy right here. This is how it works. There's a trigger. We put you just even mentioning going skydiving. That was a trigger for some of you. Mentioning the economy is a trigger for some of you. Or your boss saying, let's talk Monday. That's a trigger for you. Watching the Dow Jones, that's a trigger. Seeing something that you're afraid of, a spider, a snake, it's a trigger. Are you guys with me? Everybody say trigger. Then what happens next? A fear response. And then what happens? A negative feeling. Oh, man, I can't do that. I can't do that. And then what happens after this? Self-destructive habits. Now, when we look at little things like bugs, maybe a self-destructive habit of you always running to get in your husband is not too self-destructive, right? Maybe your husband gets to feel like the man, the macho man. He kills the bug. He eats the bug. He shows how cool he is to the kids. That's just me. I'm sorry. No, I don't eat bugs. I eat minnows. I eat minnows. But anyways, uh, but they get bigger, don't they? Self-destructive habits get bigger. Before you know it, you're limiting yourself in life. Vinny, would you come to the keys, please? Here's what we need to do. When we learn to live by faith, when those triggers come, you know what we do? We offer those bodies to Jesus. It's not yoga. It's not a new age principle. What you do when you feel afraid is you stop and you go, God, my body belongs to you, and I know you would never let anything happen to me. Right? And then what do you do next? You begin to pray, and you think on the word of God. Whether it's under your breath, whether it's at the interview, you just take a deep breath. God, I, I need you right now. Help me answer these questions. I really need this job. And you just relax, and you say, I'm trusting God right now. And then what do you do? You act on it. You do it even if you feel afraid. You don't let fear dictate your life and put you in a box. You step out of that box, and you do it even if you're afraid. How many people would be afraid to go skydiving? Probably all of us, unless you're a paratrooper or something for the military. But how many would actually do it? All those who could face their fears. All those who could step out and say, I'm doing it afraid. Because my feelings aren't the truth. The Word of God is. Every person here can face their fears. 
If you're a weary person in life right now because you've been dealing with so many fears and mental anxieties and stress, and you're just feeling like, man, I don't know if anybody understands me. I feel like I'm the only one. God is saying, I'm right there with you. Don't be afraid. Fear not. Don't be dismayed. My right hand will carry you. And as you begin to do that, if you talk to people in this church, you'll start to bypass those triggers. Yeah, they'll still come every now and then, but faith will start to bypass triggers, and you'll get into a cycle of victory. You'll get into a cycle of victory. I've heard people live in victory to the point where it's challenged me. I heard about, um, or my one friend rather, the, the story was his dad was terminally ill. And he instantly felt fear because his, his dad has multiple sclerosis and he, you know, he's supposed to die at some point. He can't live on forever with this. It's very bad in, this, in his father's life, disabilitating. And uh, the doctor said, this is it. He's going to die. And he went into that hospital room and he said, God, it's not, it's not over yet. And I think about that. He started praying. And I go, man, I don't know if I could react that way. But you know what he was doing? He was bypassing the trigger of fear of death. And he said, God can still do a miracle. Why do you think it is in the hospitals, in the medical field, those who have positive attitudes get better quicker? Why is it you think stress actually causes more sicknesses and disease because it uh, debilitates our immune system? Those who are nurses in, in the medical field will tell you that. Why do you think that is? Because God created our souls and body to work together. And he's saying, stop letting these triggers get to you. In closing today, I want you to know I gave you a lot of scriptures to not be afraid. But I want you to hear this last one and some resources as we get ready to close. There was a time that Jesus and his disciples were on the boat. The waves were rocking. It's time to get scared, right? I bring you out to Lake Michigan and there's eight-foot waves and you're on a wooden boat. You're going to be afraid, aren't you? Some of you, once again, will just be afraid to be on a boat in Lake Michigan, even if it's one of those big cruise boats. You don't like water. But for the rest of us, it would take probably an extreme situation. Imagine wooden boat, eight-foot waves. It's tossing back and forth. And guess what Jesus is doing? Jesus is coming, walking on water. Jesus is walking through the storm. Now, why do I think Jesus did all of this? Because he just wanted to show us he was so awesome, he was a bad man pajama? No, if he wanted to do that, he would spit fire out of his mouth like he's going to do on Judgment Day. He would have floated in the air and did some somersaults. I believe Jesus specifically did this entire scene for us today and people who would never have been on that boat to understand Jesus is in the midst of storms, calming it and bringing peace to our hearts. I literally believe that. I literally believe that's the reason why he did it. He's walking on the water. They think it's a ghost. And he says, take courage. It is I. Don't be afraid. If you came to my house and I'm like, here, take a hamburger. And you were hungry. You're going to eat it, right? Here, take this. Here's some money. Take it. Jesus is coming saying, you need courage? Take it need courage to face the things in your life? Take it. How many want to come to Jesus and take some courage? Receive it. Live it out. Can we stand to our feet? Would you bless Jesus for being our great comforter? Amen. Altar workers, would you come please? I want you to, as they're coming, to think about those fears again. Would you just close your eyes? Think about those fears right now. Come on, the fears of your life. What are you afraid of? 
Every head bowed and eyes closed. Come on, do this with me now. Trust me, it's going to be for your good. What are you afraid of? Think about it. You're going into that elevator. You're afraid. Come on, think about it. Your job, I'm just afraid. I'm just afraid of the future. Your past, come on. I want it in your mind. And now I want you to imagine Jesus walking to you. However you see him, but imagine him walking to you, saying, take courage. Don't be afraid. Take courage. Don't be afraid. Now as you're meditating on that, I'm going to pray for you that you can trust what God says more than what your feelings say. And as I begin to pray, would you just begin to release those fear to the Lord, those fears to the Lord, and begin to say, Lord, I will not be afraid of the economy. I will not be afraid of heights. I will not be afraid of broken my heart being broken. I will not. Just start to say that because God is with you. As I pray right now, why don't you give your fears to the Lord? Lord, this congregation releases their fears to you right now. We release the things in our hearts that hold us back from living the kind of life that you made us to live. We release those fears and the discouragement that they bring us. And today, we take your courage. Now just begin to thank him for his courage. And as you thank him, speak the word of God over your life by saying whatever you were afraid of, I can do through Christ who gives me strength. Right now, come on, I can fall in love through Christ who gives me strength. I can find a job through Christ who gives me strength. I can face the troubles of my life through Christ who gives me strength. Right now, pray it in your own words. Pray it in your own words. Confess it out. I can. I can. You might say, Pastor, what if it all falls apart and nothing works out? Then you say this, I can face failure through Christ who gives me strength. Hello. Well, what if the person dies and they don't get better? I can face death through Christ who gives me strength. Well, what if it's another year before I get a job? I can face a year without a job through Christ who gives me strength. See, I'm not playing make-believe with you. I'm teaching you how to achieve your victory in peace. You have to practice your peace. The Bible says your worries will do nothing. They can't even change one hair on your head. So why not go through life with courage? Why not go through life trusting what God said, what he would do? Lord, we've confessed our fears. We've confessed your word, and we've given you thanks. Now I pray as we dismiss from here, we will silence the fears in our life and face them victoriously with you. If that's you today and you believe it, can you say amen and bless him today? Come on. Amen. Isn't he worthy? If you need prayer for anything, would you come forward as we dismiss with a worship song? Slap your neighbor high five and say, God is with you. Fear not. God.
Come on, you are dismissed. Have a great week and fear not. If you need prayer, don't be afraid. Let us pray for you. Jesus come When my burdens They keep me God down. bless you as you go